John 19, verse 31. It was the preparation day and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies to remain on the cross on the Sabbath, especially since that Sabbath was an important day. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of those crucified broken and the bodies taken down. Therefore, the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men who were crucified with Jesus. When they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. However, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. The one who saw this has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he speaks the truth, and he has testified so that you also can believe. These things happen to fulfill the scripture. They won't break any of his bones. And another scripture says they will look at him whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate if he could take away the body of Jesus. Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one because he feared the Jewish authorities. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body away. Nicodemus, the one who had first come to Jesus at night, was there too. He brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, nearly 75 pounds in all. Following Jewish burial customs, they took Jesus' body and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths. There was a garden in the place where Jesus was crucified, and in the garden was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish preparation day and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus in it. The word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. John tells us that the Jewish leaders don't want to leave the bodies on the crosses for Sabbath. Growing up Adventist, there was a lot that we tried to do before the sun set on Friday night or at least a lot that my wonderful mother wanted us all to get done. I found myself many Fridays hiding in the bathroom reading my latest library book, trying to avoid the cleaning. I loved the winter because that meant the sun went down at about five o'clock. We'd only have a few minutes of cleaning to do when we got home. I wasn't so excited about the summer, where we could be vacuuming up to nine o'clock at night. My mother is one of my greatest supporters, and she gave me a deep love for the Sabbath, and I imagine many of those Friday night dinners, candlelit dinners that we had were all the more sweeter because of all that cleaning that we did ahead of time. Thank you, Mom, and sorry for hiding in the bathroom. The Jewish leaders want to get the bodies off the cross before the Sabbath, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Could it be that their concern for, for getting the bodies down was that Sabbath is a day of joy and celebration, and no one, no matter what they've done, should be suffering on a cross on the Sabbath? Was their concern humanitarian? It would, hard, it would be hard to argue this from their track record. In John 5, Jesus heals a lame man by the pool of Bethesda, and they want to kill him for working on the Sabbath. Truth be told, their concern is not humanitarian. Their concern is puritanical. Their concern is about purity. 
In John 18, they don't want to go into Pilate's palace for the trial. They want him to come out to them because if they went in, they wouldn't be able to eat the Passover. Why? Because they would be ritually impure, unclean. No, they're thinking of Deuteronomy 21, starting with verse 22, that says, now if someone is guilty of a capital crime and they are executed, and you then hang them on a tree, you must not leave the body hanging on the tree. You must bury it the same day because God's curse is on those who are hanged. Furthermore, you must not pollute the ground that the Lord your God is giving to you as an inheritance. The body must be buried on the day that day, that day that of death, because it was cursed, that body must not defile the land, defile the ground on any day, never mind Sabbath, never mind Passover Sabbath. They ask Pilate to break the legs to speed up the process, but Jesus is already dead. In the Gospel of John, Jesus' crucifixion and death happen in the very light of day. Matthew, Mark, and Luke make a point to mention a strange darkness from noon till Jesus dies at three o'clock. But there is no darkness when Jesus dies in John's gospel. As Pastor Jason shared with us last night, the murder of Jesus happens in broad daylight for all to see. And now the religious leaders want to hide the bodies before Sabbath, before sacred time. And before we're too hard on the religious leaders, we have this impulse too, don't we? We want to hide the bodies, to hide the suffering, that of our own or that of others. We want to get dressed up in our best Sabbath clothes, put on our smiles, come to the sanctuary to show ourselves clean, pure, problem-free, don't we? But then, two secret followers of Jesus, who had followed him undercover, in the dark as it were, now come into the light of day. They ask Pilate for Jesus' body, not to hide it away, but to embrace it. Joseph and Nicodemus are wealthy, well-respected members of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Congress, as it were. Now, at first, what they're doing may not seem so controversial. After all, someone from the Sanhedrin would be assigned to make sure those bodies actually got buried. And maybe Joseph and um, Nicodemus volunteered to make sure it happened. But even then, they should have at least sent their servants to do the dirty work. After all, they wouldn't have wanted to be defiled by touching a corpse before the Sabbath of Passover. Not only that, Jesus and the two men beside him should have been buried in a common mass grave for criminals outside the city. Instead, no, Nicodemus brings 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe. Now this is extravagant. 75 pounds? He must have had some servants come along to help him carry 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe. When Gamaliel was buried, the respected teacher of Paul, he was buried with 80 pounds of myrrh. 75 pounds of myrrh was what you did for someone highly respected, someone wealthy. Instead of a common criminal's grave, they put Jesus in a new tomb where no one has been laid. 
The Jewish leaders want to hide the bodies and Joseph and Nicodemus, their motivation is not to hide Jesus' body but to embrace it, especially before the Sabbath came. Our concern for purity often results in us hiding the bodies. Two weeks ago, we were horrified by a report from Bucha, Ukraine, of the bodies of civilians laying uncovered in the streets, many shot at point-blank range with their hands tied behind their back. Russian authorities denied responsibility and claimed that the bodies didn't really exist. Or if they did, they had been put there by the Ukrainians. However, we have satellite images that show bodies lying in the streets for as long as three weeks before the Russian army left. The denial of the bodies was to protect Russia's purity, Russia's image in the world. Our concern for purity often results in us hiding the bodies. In August 1955, a 14-year-old boy from Chicago was kidnapped in the middle of the night tortured and lynched in Mississippi after being accused of offending a white woman at her family's store. Emmett Lewis Till's murderers tried to hide his body in the Tallahatchie River, but it was discovered three days later. His body was packed in lime and placed in a coffin for immediate burial in Mississippi, but his mother called several authorities in Mississippi and Illinois and said, he's coming to Chicago. After identifying her son, mommy decided to have an open casket funeral. She said, quote, there's just no way I could describe what was in that box, no way, and I wanted the world to see. In 2016, Time Magazine chose this picture as one of the 100 most influential images of all time. A few months after his murder, Rosa Parks attended a rally for Emmett led by Martin Luther King Jr. And soon after, she refused to give up her seat on a segregated bus in Montgomery, Alabama. She later said, quote, I thought of Emmett Till and I just couldn't go back. Embracing Emmett's broken body instead of hiding it helped spark the civil rights movement. On March 29 of this very year, President Biden signed the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act into law after it passed unanimously in the Senate. But friends, this process took more than 100 years and 200 failed attempts. We humans would rather hide bodies to protect our purity than embrace them and risk being seen as unclean. But God doesn't hide the broken body of God's Son. God doesn't rush to the resurrection. On silent Sabbath, we are forced to sit with the body of Jesus, tortured, hung on a tree, suffering, broken, and now laid in a tomb, dead. Why? Why an open casket, God? Why this waiting? Why not whisk away Jesus' body right away? Silent Sabbath grates at our sensibilities of all that God ought to be up to. We're expecting hope. 
we're looking for a happy ending and we're looking for it to come sooner rather than later. And what we're left with today is a dead body. Have you ever been left with a dead body? You prayed for protection for your family and they died in that accident. You prayed for healing from that diagnosis and it stole their life instead. You prayed for healing for a relationship, restoration, and instead it's dissolved and broken. You prayed and it's felt like God has been silent, absent. On Silent Sabbath, we see a God who lingers with us even in death. This is a God expressing solidarity with all the broken bodies, the hidden ones, the unnamed sufferers, all our darkest moments of deepest pain. This is Jesus going to hell, as it were, and meeting us there. Do we try to hide his body? Thinking it doesn't belong in holy space, or today can we sit with Jesus and embrace his body? With his body, can we acknowledge and embrace other bodies, those of people and those of ourselves who are suffering? Will we, with Joseph and Nicodemus, risk touching broken bodies? Will we spend money on the spices? Will we give up our own places of honor to embrace the suffering of others? Today we heard the eerily beautiful song, Even When He Is Silent. The composer attributes the lyrics to words found written on a wall during World War II, and I went digging for the rest of the story. It first appears in a Swiss newspaper on June 26, 1945. An, un, an unnamed reporter is writing from Cologne, describing the Catholic community's resistance there in Germany to the Nazis. They saw these underground passages under old buildings that were used to hide from the Gestapo. The reporter described seeing emergency housing, including a bedroom, a makeshift kitchen, and was told that nine Jewish refugees were hidden there for four months. Can you imagine four months in complete darkness underground, the only light coming from oil lamps? Their food was sent down by friends who shared their rations to help those living for months in utter darkness. This is a picture of the newspaper report from June 26. The reporter described seeing the inscription written on one of the walls of these underground rooms in Cologne, Germany. I believe in the sun, though it be dark. I believe in God, though he be silent. I believe in neighborly love, though it be unable to reveal itself. Catholic friends of Jesus risked their lives in solidarity with their Jewish neighbors hidden in the dark. This silent Sabbath, we see a God who goes to hell with us, a God who lingers in silent solidarity with us even in the darkness of death. So, 
when we find ourselves in the land of the living? Will we, like Joseph and Nicodemus, like Mommy Till, like the Catholic resistance, like aid workers in Ukraine, will we put aside our concerns for perceived purity? Can we be friends to those living through hell? And when we find ourselves broken, feeling dead, asking the question, will the light shine again or this, is this the end? Will we know that we're in good company? Will we know that we have a friend in Jesus? And oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Amen.